0: CHAPTER ONE OF THE RED CROSS GIRLS WITH THE ITALIAN ARMY This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Debbie R. Baker Robinson THE RED CROSS GIRLS WITH THE ITALIAN ARMY by Margaret VanderCook THE NEW DAY How strange to be returning to Europe, and so soon, Nona, when I had thought never to cross the ocean again. One afternoon in late February, a woman and a girl were walking slowly up and down the deck of a ship. Yet, if either of them felt the anxiety, which was natural under the conditions of traveling by sea, then neither betrayed the fact. Perchance, the day was so wonderful they had caught a measure of its inspiration. For sailing from New York City a little more than two weeks before under a cloud of rain and mist, they had now reached the eternal blue of the Mediterranean water and sky. Ah, but Sonia, these are the days when one never knows from one hour to the next what may be taking place in the world, nor how the changes may affect one's own life. Still, a year does not seem such a short time to me. The older of the two companions laughed. That is because you are so young, Nona. As for me, I am ashamed to confess how quickly a year flies, but never has there been so glorious a year as this, with Russia, my own country, free at last. Sonya Valesky stopped for a moment and, although making no outward movement with her hands, in her heart she registered the sign of the cross. Some time before, she had been exiled from Russia for preaching peace when Russia was in the throes of the most terrible phase of the Great War. Then, with three of the four American Red Cross girls who had been nursing the Russian wounded, she had left her own land for England and France and later the United States. But all her life, Sonia's work and prayers had been devoted toward the creation of a free Russia and now within the past few weeks she too had been a witness of the great mystery of good which has been so strangely born out of the evil of this present war for russia in the most wonderful revolution in history had lately declared herself a republic so that sonya's dream at last was realized i wish we were returning to russia nona instead of italy she added with a wistful inflection in her modulated voice For, in spite of speaking English perfectly, Sonia had a slight foreign accent. I would not preach peace in Russia these days, not until other people are free as we are. I, too, have learned a lesson. But why, Nona, are we going to Italy? I scarcely know. It seems to me that I have fallen under your influence a great deal recently, when, as I am old enough to be your elder sister, the influence ought to be the other way around. Before replying, Nona Davis slipped her arm through her friends and drew her over to the ship's railing, where they stood looking out over the tranquil face of the waters. We're going to Italy, Sonia, because Italy is the country where I now most wish to help with Red Cross nursing. In spite of your insisting that you cannot nurse, you will probably be just as useful in some other way. You remember we first met you on shipboard when Eugenia, Barbara, Mildred Thornton, and I were crossing the Atlantic to begin our first nursing with the British Army, then later in France, in Belgium, and in Russia. Well, as Eugenia married her little French captain and is now Madame Castagna, at present she has charge of one of the largest field hospitals in France, and Mildred Thornton is with her poor mildred has never yet been able to marry general alexis and her family is not willing she should with russia so far away until this war is over but as mildred was so restless at home she crossed over again to join eugenia and go on with the nursing in france at about the time you and i went south to our old place in charleston since Barbara and Dick Thornton have a very new son, of course Barbara is occupied with another kind of nursing. Now I am the only one of the original four Red Cross girls left to do a bit for Italy. Certainly you would not allow me to cross all alone, nor would I leave you to go on dreaming in dear old Before the War Charleston. These days, Sonya, it is new dreams for old, to quote that lovely poem. Is there no voice in the world to come crying? New dreams for old, new for old. Many have long in my heart been lying, faded, weary, and cold. Nona paused. She was a fair, slender girl with a wealth of pale blonde hair which the soft southern winds were now blowing about her face. She was wearing a loose coat of an odd shade of green with a broad collar of tan silk and a small green hat which, by contrast, showed brighter the gold of her hair. Her friend and companion looked older since her hair was almost white. The one-time Russian noblewoman had extraordinary deep dark blue eyes with dark brows and lashes, skin of a strange Russian pallor, and a beautiful mobile mouth, more able to express emotion than most persons. At this instant, she smiled rather teasingly upon the younger girl. Oh, Nona, of course I understand that I must wake up again and find some new work. I suppose I have grown idle and yet life has been so difficult for me for so many years that i feel glad to have been able to rest nevertheless i think i have been pretty well occupied in looking after you in charleston and trying to prevent your marrying any one of those nice southern boyhood friends of yours what an extraordinary number of boys you must have known when you were a little girl nona you could not have played with boys exclusively and besides you always told me you led a remarkably lonely life as a child Yet, each young fellow I met insisted I was to trust you with him since you had played together as children. That is one of the real reasons why I came away with you. I want to keep you to myself a little while longer, and you know you have promised me not to consider an Italian. I do not wish the American Red Cross girls to make so many international marriages. Eugenia and Mildred are quite enough. Nona laughed. Nevertheless, she flushed slightly. I don't think you should talk in so frivolous a fashion, Sonya, when we are going to Italy on such a serious mission. Besides, it was nonsense to pay any attention to my few old friendships in Charleston. You need not worry over me. You see, I am not so attractive as the other Red Cross girls. It is simply that you don't understand American society and the freedom to which American girls are accustomed. Nona turned so as to face her companion. I do wish, Sonia, you would not be so difficult about the young Italian fellow on board ship with us, Carlo Navarro. Hasn't he a charming name? He is a very boyish fellow, yet as soon as I begin to talk to him, you manage to send word that you wish to see me. I am not used to such a very severe chaperone, Sonia. You see, Eugenia had to divide her attention between three of us. Besides, don't you think Signor Navarro's story delightfully romantic I told you he had confided to me that he came to the United States when he was only a tiny boy and used to sing in the streets. Then, one day, someone overheard him and began giving him lessons. He hopes to become a great artist some day if he is not killed in Italy. Yet, he felt it his duty to give up his career and return to fight for his country. I don't understand your prejudice, Sonia. His seems to me a charming story. Sonia shrugged her shoulders, which was a frequent gesture with her and characteristic of her foreign birth. Charming, but not original, Nona. Yet, let us not quarrel about your first Italian hero. The young fellow is simply not a gentleman, which means I feel one could not trust him in a critical situation. Otherwise, he is agreeable and very good looking but one can never anticipate the future of a traveling acquaintance one may not see him again or he may turn up constantly personally i rather hope when senor navarra reaches the front we may be through with him the young girl looked as if she had disagreed but before replying glanced up and down the long deck until then she and Sonya had believed they were alone but within the last few moments several other passengers had appeared among them was the young man whom they had been discussing he wore a student's hat and a military cape you are not very democratic sonya in spite of all your views of freedom and democracy nona expostulated but i have known a good many other persons who talked one way and behaved another just to say i am not consistent sonya laughed i prefer that charge but they ceased talking nona's new acquaintance had leaned over the side of the ship at no great distance from where she and Sonya were standing unconsciously their gaze must have followed the direction of his the water was placid and blue with tiny flourishes of foam curling along the edges of the waves the air blew so sweet that their ship must be nearing one of the italian islands and have caught the fragrance of blossoming fruits Then, at a distance of some hundreds of yards, and in the midst of the blue tranquility, a strange oily substance, not very large and yet shimmering in the sunlight, shone on the top of the water. At the same time, a little column of foam shot straight up in the air. The young man turned. In her life, Nona believed she had never seen a face so frightened, never in any of the tragic experiences of her past years of Red Cross nursing but the young singer did not look at her. He turned to Sonya, and something in her answering glance may have helped him. At the same instant, one of the lookout men on the ship's bridge must have sighted the same spectacle, for immediately there was a deep roar from one of the ship's guns, and then a second explosion. However, the little oily substance and the small upright column of water had disappeared, so that the guns seemed to be firing only into the blue, far-off space. Before this moment, the ship had been going rapidly through the quiet sea, but now her speed increased until she could move no faster and seemed in danger from her own engines. Perhaps five minutes passed, probably only two or three. Then, from beneath the placid surface of the water, a long ripple showed. Almost instantly, there was a grinding, tearing noise. The great ship lurched forward, and her engines ceased to move. It all happened so quickly, while Nona and Sonya were arguing over a trifle, and while the greater number of the ship's passengers were having an afternoon's sleep. "'We have been struck by a torpedo, haven't we?' Nona asked as quietly as if this were an ordinary question. Sonya nodded. "'Stay here, Nona. I'll return in an instant.' Then Nona also heard her murmur to the young Italian, of whom she had been so scornful a short time before. "'Hold on to your courage. There is no great danger.' sonya disappeared among the passengers and crew who quickly crowded the deck almost by magic the officers and men stood in their appointed places while orders were given for the lowering of the lifeboats sonya was right in saying there was no great danger because the day was calm and the sea quiet moreover there were not many passengers for people were not traveling except for urgent reasons besides nona davis there were three other red cross nurses perhaps a dozen young Italians going home to join the Colors, Nona's acquaintance, several doctors, and a number of businessmen. There was one Italian woman with a little girl of three or four crossing to join her husband, who had gone to Italy before the beginning of the submarine danger. It really seemed to Nona Davis that she was almost too interested in what was taking place to feel especially frightened. Besides, it was all so brief. One of her American friends aboard came up to her, Don't be frightened. I'll look after you and Madame Valesky when the right moment comes. Remember, Admiral Farragut's Damn the Torpedo. And Nona positively had courage to smile. Dr. Latham was another one of her acquaintances concerning whom Sonya was not enthusiastic. But there was no possible criticism of Dr. Robert Latham, except that she did not like his brusque manners. For Dr. Latham was a distinguished surgeon accustomed to giving orders and to being obeyed, and on leaving New York, Nona had been placed under his especial care. But, in spite of her democratic principles, although entirely unaware of the fact herself, Sonya had also been accustomed to rule. There had been no difficulty between her and Dr. Latham beyond the fact that they did not seem to like each other, and Sonya had avoided him whenever it was possible. She came back now with the three other Red Cross nurses who were crossing to nurse under the Italian flag, Dr. Latham, will you look after the young soldier, she asked. We can take care of ourselves, and he seems almost in a state of collapse. Again, Nona looked toward the young man whom she had been defending, but whom she had since forgotten, while Sonya remembered. He was leaning over the ship's rail, just as he had when he first came on deck, with his face deathly pale and his large dark eyes fixed on the same faraway place on the water. I shall do nothing of the kind, Dr. Latham answered abruptly. The young man can look after himself. This is a case of artistic temperament, fine material for a soldier. I'll see every woman aboard in the first lifeboat. I shall go last, Sonia answered. But that instant, an order was given by some officer, and before she had time to protest, Sonia found herself following the other women into the first lifeboat and being assisted down the ladder by Dr. Latham. The next instant, the young Italian was also with them, he being the first man by Dr. Latham's aid to leave the ship. When the command came to pull away, it may have been curious, but neither Nona nor Sonia were alarmed. The sea was so calm and blue. It was still early afternoon, and the coast of Italy could not lie very far away. End of Chapter 1 Recording by Debbie R. Baker Robinson